Welcome to Mindful Aging, a podcast where leaders and experts in healthcare use storytelling to shed light on aging, health span, and long-term care. I am your host, Tyler White. Today, we have a discussion with somebody special to me, my brother, Brian White. He's going to talk to us about his experiences in residency, his path to becoming an oral surgeon, and our new venture with uh, Scrubs, a company called Birdie Scrubs. And so... Um, thanks for joining us. And here's our discussion with Brian. Uh, how you doing, Brian? Hey, doing great. Doing great. How you doing? Fantastic. Um, so glad you could come. So, uh, Mindful Aging, as you know, is a podcast, uh, for the healthcare industry. Um, but also broadly speaking for anybody that wants to hear stories from people within the healthcare industry that can be inspiring and and provide hope so hey tell us what you do brian so um so i'm an oral and maxillofacial facial facial surgeon um so uh you know oral surgeons they you know they there's a broad scope of things that the oral surgeons do everything from you know cleft lip palate kind of type surgeries to what we call orthognathic surgeries where people move their upper or lower jaws you know forward and back, uh, to trauma, you know, anything from, uh, you know, fernal sinus fractures in your forehead, the, the orbital fractures to maxilla to mandibular fractures to, you know, so to TMJ surgeries. So oral surgeons do a, a lot of different things and your training is pretty, I mean, relatively broad. I mean, you know, you know, compared to most, most dental fields, but, um, so you're training in a lot of things. What I what I typically do my day to day currently though, is really uh, third molars, uh, routine extractions, uh, bone grafts, dental implants, and uh, you know some some sinus surgeries is, is kind of my day to day day to day stuff. So all right, and that's quite a bit different than what you did in your in your training your residency, right? Yes, it is for me, but it's not necessarily for all oral surgeons. So some oral surgeons uh, love the trauma, and you know, I still have uh, you know, I, I still have you know privileges in certain hospitals. I still could do the trauma, but you know, I got four soon to be five kids, and I work a lot as it is. It's difficult to find the time to do everything, but yeah, it, it's definitely different. It's it's you know. I, I think there's just a lot in, in, within oral surgery. There's a lot of different fields and there's a little bit for everybody. Some people just kind of gravitate towards certain things. And, you know, I've kind of found my little niche. Found your niche. And did you, did you always want to be an oral surgeon? You know, it's, no. it's funny. I'm, I'm your brother and I've never even asked you that question until right now. So I'm glad that we had this opportunity to talk. What made yeah. you, what made you decide <laughs> to pursue oral surgery? You know, um, it's kind of been a gradual path for sure. I mean, um, when I was a kid, I, I remember I have a, when you're a little kid, you do a career report. Um, you go and you do a career report and you figure out what you want to do. I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what my dad was. <laughs> and so I, I went to Jackson White and I, I went there and I remember interviewing uh, some of the lawyers. In fact, I, I believe the one of the lawyers was a brand new lawyer. Who's your current, one of your current partners, uh, um, Eric McDonald, Eric McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
and he, I remember, uh, just, you know, you know, whatever, a third graders interview, how, how, how can I, you know, a few questions. And it was, I think it was in the old, uh, Bank of America building. There's no library over there. Yeah. Over there. So anyway, so I, I, I thought I want to do that. And then, uh, my scout leader, uh, uh, Dr. Justinson was a dentist and he always, he talked to all the scouts to how they, how they, you know, should be a dentist and how it was great to serve. And he also had a great time with his family. And at that time, you know, dentistry, you could work less days per week. Mm-hmm. I think things had changed. Um, so I, I think of the scout troop, I don't know, maybe 20% became dentists, something like that. Maybe even <laughs> higher than that. I mean, I'm not kidding. There's a ton of dentists. Dr. J uh, was but, inspiring. Yeah, you got you got the Peterson kids, you got the Monahans, you got me. You, you, know, you have a ton of dentists that came out of that group. Wow. And then, so um, I went to dental school, and it turns out, I, I never really, you know, I just, I, I, I you know, I, I liked parts of it, but I, I, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't going to be a general dentist. So at that point, I had to shift from there and and uh there was a really great oral surgeon at in vegas his name was dr Orr, dan Orr, and uh he was just a really good uh you know mentor and he um allowed me to do some things that maybe other you know kids in dental school weren't able to do like poltered molars and he let us do sedations and things that most kids in uh in dental school weren't doing and I really liked it, and so I kind of looked up to him. And I wanted to do oral surgery, and you know, next thing I know, I'm applying for oral surgery school. But I didn't plan on that. It just it just kind of happened. It was kind of one step at a time. And but I have zero regrets. I mean, in terms of the fields of dentistry, mm-hmm. there was a time I was thinking about doing braces like orthodontics versus uh, oral surgery, and I think what I was debating was, do I want to have to use my hands? Or do I want to watch people use their hands and watch the assistants tighten bands and things? And it says I wanted to, you know, wanted to get in there. Wanted to, wanted to get in there. So that's there a, I am. that's a great story for everybody except for the patients that Doctor Orr uh, allowed you to <laughs> to work on. <laughs> oh no, closely supervised. Now that's just the way that it works. There's a there's a saying in residency, um, which is see one, do one, teach one. And that's not about oral surgery. That's about all of residency. So all these residents, see one, do one, teach, teach one. So if you're going to a teaching hospital, now granted they're heavily supervised and there's wonderful, amazing teachers that are helping and guiding every step of the way. But, you know, people have to learn somewhere, you know. See one, do, do one, teach one? See, see one, do one, teach one. And so you have the first year's seeing them and then like the third years are, are starting to do them and by the time you're a fourth year you're called a chief resident and you're actually the teacher you're teaching wow. your your interns or your you know you become like a teacher by the time you're a fourth year which now looking back i mean to be completely honest i mean yeah i mean i i, I could take out a third molar but uh you know wasn't very <laughs> efficient at it well and, and, they say that the best way to learn is to teach. And I found that true. Um, 
you know, giving presentations and teaching various seminars and classes. Uh, nothing helps me learn better than teaching. And, and that's great. You know, that's a great way to learn. But it's a little risky, I'd say, uh, for the patients. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's yeah. how healthcare works. That is, isn't it? Tell, so tell us about the tell us about the hours and the grind of residency. So um, you were tell us where you went to school and just tell us a little bit about the the residency experience. Sure. Yeah. So a few things. I went to um, a place called Washington Hospital Center, and we were affiliated with Johns Hopkins. And um, within oral surgery, there's a four-year program and then there's a six-year program. I kind of knew, I, I applied to both initially. There's a six-year where you get the MD and the four-year where you just go, you know, it's a four-year, it's shorter. You don't have to play for med school and you do the same thing when you get out. Mm-hmm. So I knew pretty early on, I'm not going to do the six-year program. So it wasn't for me. So I, and just where to be clear, went, that's six years after dental school and after correct. after yeah. your undergraduate. So that's a lot of school. Yeah. 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 So, and not to mention, two. You know, if you do this six year program, you're also paying for medical school. So you have dental school debt plus medical school debt, and then you have the same job two years, you know, later because then the four year guys. So I four years are pretty competitive. So I thought I'm going to do the four year. I don't want to yeah. do. I don't want to do any more school. I'm done. And so I was really grateful to get into the program that I got into. I think first I had the, the best thing that I had. And I think this was still to this day it's probably the greatest thing that I had going for me is I had a chairman who was a wonderful man. His name is Dr. Obeid. Now, Dr. Obeid, um, I think the greatest thing I learned from Dr. Obeid is that he was so kind and so patient to patients. Loves patients. Hmm. He's still, I'm sure he's just a wonderful guy, the kindest guy, and he was also a phenomenal surgeon. Obviously, he he, he did like, you know, he doesn't do if he if he saw my day today, he'd be like, oh man, you got to do something more interesting because I'm kind of doing kind of little niche kind of stuff, just same you know same kind of third molars implants, that kind of stuff, private practice stuff. Mm-hmm. He was he was the type of guy that's like, well we don't know what to do with this case. This case is, you know, we're going to send it to Dr. Obeid. And he was doing things like, you know, craniofacial. He, he was part of the craniofacial team where they were doing distraction, osteogenesis and moving people's faces around. And he, his day-to-day was more, we call it orthognathic surgery and any sort of trauma. And he, he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. So anyway, I had, I had some really good mentors to look up to. And, uh, but despite that, it was brutal. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> residency, I mean, is brutal. So, I mean, to kind of give you an example, first year in, you go into res, you go in and show up about five in the morning, you round, and then you run a clinic from eight to five, and then you do the trauma call after that. We took trauma calls six out of seven days a week. And if you were on call, you stayed the night at the hospital, and then you worked the next day after being on call all night. And, uh, your post-call time was typically around three, but you are more likely to get out around five to six. So this is, you go in one day, you come out, the, you go in one day at five in the morning, you come out the next day about five in the afternoon. Oh my goodness. To go to bed, to come, to come, to come back, you know, at 5 a.m. So that's, so you, what you is do it? that every third night. That's, so it's crazy. How many hours is the shift? I mean, I mean, too many, that's for sure. More than 24? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're going. Yeah. So it's twenty. So twenty-four plus twelve. Yeah. More like more like thirty-six. <laughs> 36. So that's yeah. kind of a wild system, don't you think? I mean, we have we have well students who aren't aren't even doctors yet who are sleep deprived and are running and, and potentially even teaching um, at these at these hospitals what how is that how does well, that work so so the the first year residents are the ones that are taking the call right or the brunt of the call the fourth year residents are the ones that are actually operating more are actually sleeping and you know you know eating normally sleeping normally and, and doing okay yeah i mean my my one of my co-residents um you know, wrote his letter of resignation. Was about to, to wait. I mean, it was a, it was a tough time. We, he didn't, thank goodness, because that would have been tragic for him and for us. Because we'd have had even more call. But it's brutal. That being said, it's just the system. You know, it's just it's a difficult thing, and there's a lot of there's. I mean, you get through it, and and you actually learn a lot. To be honest with you, you learn how to work hard, and I mean, by the time you get out of that, you're like, oh, I guess private practice is pretty cush, pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds you know? like it sounds like Navy SEALs or something. It's just like it sounds like a pretty heavy. Um, you know, it, and they've changed the hours a lot. Like there is a rule called the eighty-hour rule, eighty-hour week work week rule, um, which most residency. I think if you really looked at the numbers, because you have to you have to write that you've been working eighty hours a week, but if you really look at a lot of the programs they're fudging the numbers a little bit and there's no way they're only doing 80 hours because it's, it's so hard. How, how can you do all the work? And 80 hours sounds like a lot, but actually if you really start adding it up, it's not that many, it's not enough hours for a first year. Resident. It sounds like, um, a, a pretty economical system as far as the hospitals are concerned, right? I mean, they have students performing the, uh, performing the, all the trauma work and, um, I mean, I don't know what the payroll is like, but I can't imagine students are getting paid very much. And so it sounds yeah. like from the hospital's perspective, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I don't want to bet. I mean, my the hospital I went to, I, I love, I don't want to speak. Oh, no, no. Or, I, this yeah. is just the system. This yeah. is the system in general. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Now, thank goodness. Thank goodness I had a, a chairman like Dr. B and some of the other people that were just so kind and, and nice because there are other programs where they're called malignant programs where the, the upper leadership were mean to the younger guys. So not only are they sleep deprived, but they're also intimidated no. and that results in a really, you know, really poor outcomes. You know, you're performing wor worse. You're scared. Yeah. I, I don't know how people learn in that environment, but, and, and that's, that's a, the reality. That's a, that's a systematic approach. I mean, they intentionally, they say we're going to be malignant or that's just what they become yeah. labeled. No, that's, Wow. That's, that's it. So they, they're, there's a term. I don't, I'm I don't even know why we're going too far here. I don't want to <laughs> definitely not bad mathing my program. This is other programs. They, they had, uh, they had a term called pimping. They would pimp you. What that means is you, you're a first year resident. You haven't slept all night. You've been rounding on these patients, answering trauma calls and whatever, everything else. Wiring people shut in the middle of the night that have HIV, you know, that are of wires you could get poked. It's crazy. Wow. But anyway, the next morning you go in and you present the patients that were on call on your service that morning to your your second year, third year, fourth year, and attendings. Attendings are the doctors who are graduated mm -hmm. from the programs. And they will, 
what's called pin to you. What that means is they will ask you questions, a series of questions about the patient, any kind of medical questions. In some cases, in many cases, unfortunately, to make you look slightly foolish. Wow. So it's, you know, you're not only sleep for, I mean, I had my first year resident when I was a chief, first time she presented, she fainted. And we had to bring her into a room. <laughs> lay down for a and, and, I'm not kidding. And this isn't even a malignant program. This is no, a kind. No, and we were, and we, were about, we were the softest chiefs, I think, that the program has ever seen. I think people were kind of, you know, chewed us up and spit us out. We were, we were our, When we became chiefs, me and my other two co-residents, we were a little softies, but that's okay. Yeah, I think that's all apart. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good approach. Well, I didn't. But even then, I'm saying my first year still painted, and we were like, "Well, hey, you guys, you're totally soft. We're, we're not asking questions or anything crazy." But that's wow. how it, that's how it works. Fascinating. So. Well, I didn't foresee us going down that rabbit hole, but that was really yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. And you that's s- how the system works. <laughs> wow. And you and you kind of see the dichotomy there. You see the difference between the the malignant and the non-malignant programs. And, yeah. and, and so people, I guess, volunteer, I mean, you, you kind of go to whatever school, um, admits you, but people sign up for this and they pay for this. Right. And, and they know yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be pimped as, as, uh, the, the terminology goes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you, I mean, you, you went through all this school yeah, uh, you know, one of the one of the best schools in the nation. Um, you have lots of talents uh, to which I can personally attest. Um, many opportunities. You're a great guy all the way around. Um, why why do you stay in the in in the career arena that that you're in? Why what makes you stay? Tell me tell me uh Give me a story of uh, of you know just of something that's happened in the in the last several years that that you kind of think back to and think oh I've helped this person or this has been a pivot point in my career or my life give me some give me something like that. Well, um, you know I think uh, the the first uh, you know there's a there's a few things to that one is so why do I stay within the scope of oral surgery that I practice. Yeah. Is that, yeah. So I, I, I like to do the private practice scope. I mean, a lot of it is because one, I'm comfortable with it and I, it's very pre- predictable outcomes. I know I've done it so many times, you know, today I've probably taken out, I don't know, I could look, it's probably like 14 sets of wisdom teeth or something like that. Holy smokes. Um, and, and, uh, it's very predictable. I, I know, you know, you know, I kind of know the realm of, of uh, outcomes that can happen, and and uh, it's it's more kind of on autopilot with the procedure, which I like because I like to be comfortable with what I'm doing. I, I think uh, I, I chose not to do much trauma calls because I got I got four kids and I like to be home and I like to I like I don't want to get called the I'm, I'm so traumatized by that residency issue <laughs> that I don't want to be called in the middle of the night to go to the hospital ever again ever. Now some people do that, but that's just not for me. Um, so what I like to focus on is because some of the, pro, some of the procedures are very routine, um, is each patient. Each time the patient comes in, I like to, 
try because because really, I mean, even though I'm doing the same procedure, it's a new thing for every patient. And a lot of these patients are young and they're nervous and, you know, something very new to them. They've never been, most of my patients get put to sleep. They've never been put to sleep before. They've never had anything, you know, that, you know, never had a surgery before. So, you know, I do like kind of talking through it and, you know, if they're really nervous, kind of helping them, you know, talk, you know, talking through the IV and kind of getting through the, the tough part. And, and, uh, you know, I just like to try to make it as easy on them as, as it can, because it, at the end, I, I, you know, it's, uh, it's a procedure that I think is extremely helpful for patients, you know, um, and that's just for like the elective, even, even the elective third mold, for sure. And, and then, I had a patient yesterday. You know, at the end of the day, I'm packed up, ready to go. It's like 450, which in now, nowadays, like 450, you got to get out of the door. You got to private practice dentistry. Comes in, hey, I got a hot tooth. My tooth's killing me. Nice guy. Got an abscess tooth, you know. And, you know, you got a skill set where you can help help this guy. He's been, you know, been sleep deprived because he's got a bad tooth. I can take his tooth out for him. And it's a skill that he can't do on his own, so it's something I can be helpful for and, you know, help him at the end of the day, kind of got his, got his tooth out. I don't know. It's something that I can do to be helpful, something that people can't do for themselves, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, so. Yeah, I can relate you know. to that. I really can. And and that's a good perspective and a good reminder. Um, you know, you talk about, you, you talked about when you were in third grade and you did your career report and everything. I also did a career report. And I too said I wanted to be a lawyer, and oh, okay. uh, I, I guess I didn't talk to my current partner when I did my interview. Uh, maybe he would have uh, dissuaded me from becoming an attorney. Uh, <laughs> he, I'm not quite sure what he told you, um, but I, I I followed that path, and I am in a very niche area myself where I do something that that is very routine to me. Um, but but that's a great reminder that you pointed out. Um, it's it's routine to me, but brand new to my clients, and um, there there it would be very difficult for most of my clients to uh, do the planning and um, do uh, the the application process on their own. And sometimes I have to remind myself that. Um, and bring the human element back into what I'm doing. Um, it can become very, uh, very wonky, very routinized, uh, the, the Altex planning and everything that I'm doing. But if I remember that I'm dealing with people who are in a medical crisis and a financial crisis, and, and they just need to know a path and I know that path, then it, it, it becomes uh, very, very important and very significant. And, and I can build in certain reminders for myself to uh, help, me, help me keep that perspective. I mean, it's very easy just to hammer out an email and hit send. Um, but if I take two extra seconds at the end of that email and say, hey, thanks for trusting me with your mom's case, it not only assures my clients that I care, but it reminds me that, that I care. And um, sometimes I need to build those types of reminders in. And when I do, 
uh, I find so much more meaning in my job. Um, it's just, it, it's just so, it's so important to know that what you're doing is, is helpful and, and is, is guiding people out of what could be a catastrophe. So that's a good reminder. Um, yeah. So you are, you and I are, um, venturing into a new business, also healthcare related. And, um, tell me about, why don't you tell us about that? So, um, so we we're, what we're doing is we are starting a scrub company. Uh, scrubs are something that, you know, people in healthcare throughout dentistry, multiple medical fields, nursing, and, you know, all the surgical fields and, you know, you know, all the, the different, uh, multiple medical, specialties they got to wear scrubs. And unfortunately scrubs in the past have been, you know, kind of weird looking. I mean, to be honest, I mean, you got some weird shapes and sizes of these scrubs and moth colors and the, they're, they're just dated, you know, they're, they're, you know, that people are wearing the same type of scrubs for the past hundred years, they, but they, they're, they need to be changed. So anyway, there's a few companies that come out that have kind of changed that, um, and try to, uh, to make uh, scrubs, uh, you know, more current. And, you know, certainly, um, I think there's a, a there's there's a few improvements that can still be made. So we're, what we're trying to do is make those improvements with, with scrubs, so that people can be comfortable. You know, in Arizona, especially, it's hot mm -hmm. here. You know, and uh, trying to make some uh, some cooler scrubs, temperature-wise, but also look-wise, so people feel comfortable, feel confident, and will do their best work. You know, and uh, so we're trying to improve on the actual product itself of scrubs, but we're also, you know it's fun that we're working together as brothers and we've never been able to work on something in a, in a business, uh, you know, way together. And so this is a way we can work together. And, um, so it's been fun. It's been fun to build our relationship and also to start a, start a, start a company. We're still, we're getting going, but it's yeah. been, it's been fun. It's something I've enjoyed for sure. Me too. It's been, it, it's, it's been a wild ride. Uh, and so the name of the company is birdie. And we, we recently placed our first order of, of scrubs and it's been, it's been such a, such a fabulous journey. Um, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out a new industry with my brother, uh, go into the garment district in Los Angeles and, you know, driving through Skid Row, uh, to meet in the sew shop and, and pick out patterns and have models try on something that we created and and finally come up with a product that that we think is top of the line and um you mentioned that it's important for people to feel comfortable and confident and i think about what i have to do i mean there is there isn't a you know there isn't a real strict dress code, but lawyers are supposed to wear suit and tie, suspenders, that kind of thing. And so, you know, that's not what I would choose to wear in Arizona, but because I kind of have to fill that role, 
um, you know, I buy a nice suit and a nice tie because I want to feel comfortable and I have plenty of options. There, there are so many options out there so I can pick something that I feel good in and that makes me feel confident and makes me feel good. It's like, it's like putting my, putting my, my, my superhero suit on when I go out the door, if I put on my nice suit, it's just a, an added layer of confidence and added boost. And, and so, so I get to pick the uh, the suit that I want to wear and I'm going to choose a nice one and those options should be available for people in the healthcare industry I mean there's a dress code in the healthcare industry and you have to wear scrubs and you know just because you have to wear scrubs doesn't mean you should have to wear these scratchy baggy jammies to work you should be able to wear something that's nice that makes you feel feel good about yourself and that I think is what we've developed and you know more important than that, I think you alluded to this as well, is I've been able to develop my relationship with you and it's been such it's been so fun working with you. And yeah, it's been a blast. And the one of the other things that we're trying to do is the company's named Birdie, but on all of our all of our products, we've stitched the letter M on in an inconspicuous place. And it's just a subtle reminder for people to be mindful um, and to stay present and and to remember why they got into healthcare in the first place and and to remember that they're dealing with patients and dealing with real people and you know and and just a reminder to wake up and 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 be there and be present for your patients and as they do that I think that um, just like you and I have discussed in our own careers. I think they'll find much more fulfillment and um, and and just get more out of out of their job because the, because the people that are working the front lines in the healthcare industry are are saving lives. I mean, quite literally, and um, and because they do it every day, you know, I can see how how it would just become, you know, a, a nonchalant type of a routine. Um, but they're making a huge impact. And, and, and I'm grateful that we have people like you and other healthcare professionals that I can go to if um, I get hurt or if my kids get hurt. And so um, you, you guys are doing a great service. And you should look good while you do it and feel good while you do it. <laughs> and, and so that's kind of what, what birdie is about. So you've mentioned a lot of, a lot of kind of key points through, throughout this, this conversation. Um, you've talked about having a good work, uh, home balance. And, and I think that's hugely important. Uh, having a balance in all things is important. And, and you've kind of carved out a niche where, where you're able to be home for your, um, four soon to be five kids. And, um, and that's, that's, that's something that we all need to remember. Um, and you've, you've mentioned the importance of being present and, and offering a service that, that can't be provided by other people. And, and that too is, is, is a very, you know, a very great tip, uh, for, for folks to, to keep in mind. Um, are there any other parting words, any words of wisdom that you'd like to 
let people know? Um, or is there anything that, that I should have asked that I didn't ask anything that you want to impart on the folks? Uh, the only other thing is, uh, and I think you're, you've kind of been kind of hammering this, this point a little bit too, is, is, you know, healthcare, being a lawyer, you know, a lot of things we do and, and a lot of areas of healthcare is so specialized that you get in this grind and you, you sometimes forget that you're treating a human being and you sometimes forget the compassion and, you know, being, you know, you're, you're treating somebody and this is their first time and they're nervous. One thing that's, that, that I, I try to make sure I do um, is, and, and it helps me remember this, is every person I put to sleep, I make sure I call them that evening just to reach out, make sure they're doing okay. And I do it partly for them and also partly for me to, to, to remind myself, like, hey, this is a person that just went through something, for them, traumatic. For me, I, it could, it, it, it's starting to become a, a, you know, just a routine, you know, every, every day, all day long. But, you know, just finding the way, and, and for me, that works for me. I call my patients in the evening, make sure they're okay. But that can look like so many different different things to different professions with different people. Just finding the way to find compassion for others and, and being, you know, taking that grind out and make sure you're be, being mindful in the moment, being kind to those that you're around, making sure you realize that, you know, it's, it, it, this may be a routine thing for you, but it's a stressful, you know, especially with the, with our, with our scrubs. That's kind of our, our message with the scrubs. It's a stressful thing for them. And to remember that you don't have to call the patients every night, but do something that reminds you to have to, to be compassionate. I love it. Um, and I think that's a, a great note to end on. So be compassionate and be present. Love it. Hey, thanks for your time. Um, it was good talking to you, and I'll see you soon. All right? All right. Good day. So before we end, if you or somebody you know would like to be a guest on Mindful Aging, please reach out to firm at jacksonwhitelaw.com. Lastly, make sure to visit our website, anchor.fm slash jacksonwhite8. That's the number eight, where you can subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if that's too much, simply tell a friend. Thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to see where this project goes. We have a lineup of great guests in the works. So make sure to keep your eyes open for the next episode. Talk to you later.